Hey guys, Wes and Patrick and Ryan here. And you know what this jingle means? Guys, what does this jingle mean? It means you need to give Wes your money for charitable purposes. That's right. And not just give money to me, give money to sick children in my name. Because I think if you give it in my name, that will help the children heal faster. That's the way I'm thinking about this. Dancing with the Knoxville Stars, Saturday, April 14th at the Knoxville Convention Center. What is this? Again, just like the name says, Dancing with the Stars, the Knoxville edition. So, you know, we're not really stars. We're just sort of people who a few more people around here know. But they call us stars. And who is this? It's myself. It's Leslie Ackerson from WBIR. It's Tyrone from Star 102.1. Heather Haley from WVLT. Laura Helm from WATE. Former professional cheerleader Lisa Henderson. Local sports reporter and PR professional Sarah Mitchell. Dr. Amit Patel from East Tennessee Children's Hospital. And Sylvia Peters, who's a local art patron and philanthropist here in Knoxville. The eight of us are facing off for Dancing Supremacy. I've been... Uh, practicing now for about a month or so with the lovely Rachel Enriquez, who has won this thing two or three times, and she probably won't win it this year because she's my partner. But if we can't win the dancing competition, you know what we can do? We can win the fundraising competition. ETCAH.com slash DWTKS. You can get a ticket to this event for $75 for one ticket, and you for $400, you can get a VIP table, which is $400 for four seats and complimentary champagne. Or if you just want to give a couple bucks, you can do that. Just go to etch.com slash DWTKS, click on my name or my opponent's names if you're a bad person, and give money to these kids. etch.com slash DWTKS, etch.com slash DWTKS. What is it, guys? What's the website? Something.com. That's it. Something.com. Or alternately, etch.com slash DWTKS, etch.com slash DWTKS. There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right. Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. One step in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Major League Baseball time. Final Four time. Great time of year for sports time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan. I went counterclockwise there. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Recording this on a Thursday night. I think we'll drop it on a Friday morning. So if we talk a lot about opening day, that's because this is recorded on opening day. Cubs on track to go 162 and 0. Cardinals on track to go 0 and 162. And I am on track to go out of my mind with all this baseball talk. And Patrick, 161 games, people. You got some time. Let's not all get excited too much on the first day. That that's Patrick's going to have voice modulation for this podcast. When we talk about baseball, that that's what he does. 
He's from Memphis. They don't really do baseball there. I used to be really into baseball. They do plenty of baseball there. They're just Cardinals fans mostly, so you That's don't like why, it. And, uh, and, and my brother, who is just as big a Cubs fan as I am, is getting ready to take a job in Memphis and move out there, so he will be living in enemy territory. See, he should go to those games because it's a really nice park and it's downtown, but he doesn't have to root for Cardinals players. That's okay. I he can go there and that. scout. The Iowa Cubs will come through town. Or just go there and drink. If there's beer there, you'll find a rucker there. That's <laughs> that's generally like, it will, it will, is there a rucker there? I don't know. Is there booze? Yeah. Well, then there's probably a rucker there. That That's one of our family mottos. We're very proud to proud to say that. Guys, it is spring football time as we're talking here about baseball. And we should, by the way, get a couple of non-football notes out of the way real quick. Uh, first off, the Tennessee baseball team has started winning some games. So, bully on you, Vols. They had a sweep over Alabama over the weekend. Then Four and two in SEC yeah, play. four and they two in SEC play. They should play. just give Tony Vitello a raise. Nobody around here can beat Alabama in anything. And then they went to Western Carolina, which is apparently terrible this season, and hit four home runs in a 17-3 to win over the Catamounts there in beautiful Cullowee. I'd rather be in Cullowee. It's would. a great chant. No, it's just their chant. I'm not just... I'm not just saying that. Not as good a chant as let's go pee for Austin P. Open the fly and let's go pee. Show us your penis. <laughs> I knew that was coming. It's their chance. Hashtag PB new. It's their chance. But congratulations to the Vols for uh, maybe, maybe hopefully being worth covering again. That would be great if they, if they win some games and there's some interest so what's going to happen now is that they're going to get obliterated by South Carolina yeah. on Thursday night. But I was going to say, Wes, are you are you saying we're fair weather media that we only cover them when they're good? No, uh, baseball. And again, if if I had my, I'll quote Phil Fulmer here. If I had my druthers, I would love to be at a baseball park every day. I think it's the greatest sport in the world. Only soccer even comes close to it in my mind. Uh, I just I love baseball and I'd, I'd love to be there. However. However, the you know, beat or the LSU beat would be different. Yeah, if there's interest there, then you know why not. But there's got to be interest there for us to for us to cover it because again, I hate to say that uh, the metrics and the numbers matter, but the metrics and the numbers matter. And if y'all will will click on more baseball stories and uh, read more baseball stories and show more interest, then we would love to be there. But uh, Tennessee's got to do its part and win on the field too because there's way too much talent in this area baseball-wise for Tennessee to not be very good. There is you could just go to Nashville, Knoxville, go down, a, down you know, down to Chattanooga, uh, go down to Atlanta, I mean, go over to Asheville. There, there's so much baseball talent in this area that Tennessee really, really should be better. Um, but baseball is a weird sport. You, 11.7 scholarships, if you divvy those up wrong, you can you can take things sideways in a hurry. So, But congratulations to those guys for getting off to a, a really nice start in SEC play with uh, some good pitching on that team and a couple of – Couple of athletic guys in the lineup. The lineup's not got a lot of, not too much thump. Although that Daniels kid, the freshman Zach Daniels, he can mash it. I mean, I still uh, don't think this is a team going to an NCAA regional or oh anything. God, but no. they're off to a nice start in SEC play. I mean, this they could they could show signs of shortening the rebuilding process. No this doubt, year. no doubt, they're doing a good job there. And also, uh, quick news, not really surprising news, but news nonetheless. Admiral Schofield, Tennessee's star junior forward slash wing slash whatever position you call that one that he plays. Uh, some people like to say guard slash forward. I just say wing because it's simpler. But uh, he has declared for the NBA draft 
but has not hired an agent. So the deal there is pretty simple, guys. He most likely will come back. I think we're all expecting him to come back. But if you're a junior and you're allowed to test the waters one time, why not go test the waters? I mean, the worst the worst case scenario is he, he gets hurt next season and he redshirts and then he you know he can't. I mean, it, it, there's no there's virtually no downside to going and getting some evaluation because the scouts will tell you straight up to your face, you need to do this. You need to be better at this. You need to be better at that. You're not going to be drafted yet, but you could be next year. And I think that Schofield will do it this year. I think Grant Williams should do it next year. It just it just makes too much sense. So not really any major surprise there. I mean, Patrick, you're, you're, you're a basketball guy too. You, you, would, you wouldn't expect – I mean, there's no reason for Schofield to not do this, is there? No, he's got nothing to lose. I mean, he's next year he's going to be – turning pro anyway or you know whether it's nba whether it's in life the g league whether it's yeah going pro he, and something whatever he other wants than sports. to pursue yeah whatever he wants to pursue whatever it is yeah he's got nothing to lose it's it's like it's like in juniors in football who submit paperwork to the draft advisory committee this is basically what this is except the nba sets it up where you can be a little bit more in depth where you don't just get a, a grade of like i believe the nfl committee is like you get a first uh, first round grade second round grade or they tell you to come back to school is that right more or less yeah so i think it's a little bit more in depth than that it's a good nba rule i don't i don't agree with the one it done rule i think they should abolish it because i mean yeah if it, you're if you're talented enough to go make millions of dollars as a musician at a high school they don't you don't have to finish high school and if you're good enough to go make millions of dollars playing basketball, then why are you prohibited from doing that football is a different sport because obviously it's it's you know you get the nfl yeah i mean you wouldn't want any – I mean, you put some of these college freshmen up against NFL men. I mean, no, you don't no, need to be doing that. that. that that's not going to go well That's at a different all. rule. Um, but. It, but, see, I don't know if you can go the baseball route either because, the you know, the baseball one is you can either go pro out of high school or if you go Division One, you got to wait three well, years. And, and I think with the basketball culture, uh, I think most – there are too many kids who would make the wrong decision there and choose – you know, unless you want to make JUCO basketball a bigger thing, then, well, then I don't know how you how you translate it to baseball. Because in baseball, it's easy. You you can either go, uh, you can go if you get drafted out of high school, you can go professional, or you can go to the NCAA Division One route and wait three years, or you can go to a JUCO and maybe wait a year or two. So, I mean, I think a lot of people thought that what Brandon Jennings and Emmanuel Mudiay did, which is they went and played overseas and then came back. Yep. Uh, and a guy that was, I think, committed to Syracuse on Thursday decided he's going to go play in the, in the in the G League, uh, where they, I think, the max salary is like thirty thousand. Better than zero. I mean, yeah. Arizona's paying better than that already. <laughs> you know, why would you? I mean, that's, yeah, that's he, 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 he t- he's taking a set. Why don't he just commit to Arizona? He would have gotten at least seventy thousand more dollars. He's a good prospect. That's just I think not he was good a top ten. Sense. Yeah, he's a top ten player. I mean, five stars. That's hey, the market's set out there. At least a hundred large. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you, that's seventy thousand short. But I, I don't know how you fix that rule. But uh, I tend to think that if guys are dumb enough to make a mistake, well, you try to educate them otherwise. But if they're going to be dumb, they're going to be dumb. You can't really prevent stupidity. So, uh, and the, how many how many teams have won and done players in the final four this weekend? That would be a big fat zero. Zero. The one and done stars are, are all out of this thing. So you've got Loyola. Uh, is it too soon? Can you mention that yet? Can you mention? Lo- yeah, we can. It's okay. I don't even think that was. 
I don't even think that was one of the worst NCAA tournament exits in Tennessee's history. No, it wasn't. And it ended up being they lost to the Cinderella of all Cinderellas, apparently. Yeah, they lost to a team that clearly has some sort of like providence and divinity on its side. That's true, because when you look at the three bounces the ball took on the rim in that second half, I, you will not convince me. When you play Catholic on St. Patrick's Day, that's exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get the ball bouncing around the rim and, and going through. Again, that's uh, hashtag Catholic life. But you, still, I mean, it, it's as soon as I saw it, I thought about making the joke on Twitter before the game, but I was like, nah, Bible Belt, that's not going to go too well, so I'll I'll back off on that. But, you know, it, it, it's... Did you guys know that... Uh, speak- if Kyle plays, they win. Speaking of Catholics, did you guys know that Greg Schiano apparently is a devout Catholic? Who knew? According to John Curry's text message. The document dump says it, so he's a, he's a devout... President DiPietro's at mass. Good. I mean, Butch... Schiano's jo- a devout Catholic. Butch Jones and a lot of his staff like, were what? Catholics, too, so, I mean, oh, you know, it, it's... Hey, it's... Uh, being Catholic doesn't guarantee you success in life. Look at the previous Tennessee staff. It's sometimes you... Things don't go so well. But, you know, it's in general um, running into Sister Jean this year, that team. If Kyle Alexander plays, it's not a big deal, but he didn't, and they lost, and everything just – you have to be good, and you have to get breaks if you want to get to the Final Four, and Loyola is both of those things. So congratulations Uh, to them. uh, I think Admiral is a better NBA prospect than Grant Williams is. Agreed. uh, Grant's problem is he's 6'6", maybe. Yeah, that's and not six eleven. That's that's kind. He yeah, was six eleven. Yeah, he's got like a seven. Dude. He's got like a seven foot wingspan, but still, he's just like yeah. Six, he's six. he's a pocket Jarnell Stokes, and Jarnell Stokes didn't last very long in the league. Now, he got drafted in the second round, but he did he didn't really stick. He sort of bounced around a little bit. But Grant Williams embraces that role more than Jarnell ever True, really wanted to. I just I I watched the NBA enough, and I I don't know where. Uh, I, I don't. I just don't see how Grant translate there translates there, and I, I'm still. Not, I'm, not, I'm not really sure where where you play Admiral. It NBA. opened. My, it opened my eyes when Rex Chapman said that he thought that that Williams was an NBA player because that guy played in the league, and that that was that got my attention. And if you go back to watch the film early in the year, before his back and hip started bothering him, he was he was you know yakking all over guys. I mean, he was dunking on people's. He, he was he was a different guy athletically, yeah. but. He's not again. He's not a traditional kind of NBA wing. He's just not. Who so, Admiral, Admiral or Williams? Uh, Williams? I guess he'd have to play on the wing in, in the NBA, and that's not. Yeah, he's he's just that's not his game. He'd have to be a I, weird hybrid matchup guy. Admiral, uh, because the league has gone so much to pace and space, he could be good. I just don't know who he guards. Do you have him guard a two guard? Do you have him guard a a wing that's bigger than him. I think you have to have him guard the three the three spot. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's going mean, to guard the two. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a good athlete in the open floor. He's really improved his range. That's been really impressive. And, and a, because and he a, works obsessively, yeah. And and a, a, a shout out to his hard work for doing that. But uh, I just, I don't I don't know with Williams. I just I think he's probably a, a good college player that doesn't. He just he's just a tweener. He just doesn't really have a fit. I agree. A lot like Chris Lofton, even you know, because he was he was a guy that you can you can play at that size but it's just hard in the nba and schofield's a type you, you of player got, you got to kind of play the point guard it, at that size yeah. and that's not to say that admiral is an nba player I, I don't know that he is either but i think he in terms of how you translate to that game because it's such a different game i just I, admiral translates better but i'm still not sure that it's i mean i think yeah. at, i think at the very least i, I both I, of them are european players i think yeah. admiral could play in one of the best european leagues like the spanish yeah. league or something like that i think give, he give admiral a, another year and i think he's got a shot but right now i, I definitely don't think he's, I, I i mean i will be interested to see what you guys when y'all talk to him whenever that is what what feedback he relays that he got here's another good question 
will we speak next to Admiral Schofield or a single <laughs> Tennessee football player? Which one of those things will come first? That could have been a, again, when you look at this, you know what this sound is. That's the itinerary. And I didn't put that comparison on this one. So you, we're you already going that off script. Wes. Uh, no, I, it's actually, you can look, it's not, it's not on the, what? it's not on the script. You usually plan so meticulously. I, I know I'm a great planner because it's, again, you can see it right here in the blue ink, but in uh, the yellow paper, as Patrick likes to point out. But it, it, it's, I'm fascinated by this because we got a lot to talk about with football and we're going to spend this podcast doing that. But I'm not getting around this. I don't know if I'm going to say that it's bad or good or what it is, but it is definitely different. But so far there have been five Tennessee spring practices and we have spoken to a grand total of zero Tennessee football players. So they're, they're doing their best to kind of keep this thing in house right now. And, and I know that this is Jeremy Pruitt's doing, obviously it wouldn't be, it's not like Tennessee's sports info staff wants to do it this way. I think this is clearly Pruitt, but uh, you know, he's not mentioning players, and right now we're not talking to players. So it seems like he's kind of keeping everything behind the veil as much as he can. Well, and, and not just that, but we haven't spoken to a player since Jeremy Pruitt was hired. So the last yeah. time we spoke to a current Tennessee player, we spoke to some former players at Pro Day, but the last time we spoke to a current player was after the season finale. That's on the record. You know, we, we saw some guys at Pro Day yeah. said, hey, how you doing? You know, maybe yeah. some Nothing in, an, like nothing in yeah. an interview setting yeah. of, with a current player. So, yeah, we still haven't Did gotten... you just admit to breaking Tennessee's media policy? <laughs> no. Did you, is that what y'all are doing over here? No. No, I saw, I saw Ryan talking. It's the, it wasn't it, me. You know they're listening to this, and you just admitted that it's, you broke a rule. It's the bump rule. We're allowed to say hi the to bump them rule. if we see them. Um, That's true. It's like you get in the elevator with Kirkland. With, I mean, the yeah. other day I was in the elevator with Kirkland. It's just so like when like, coaches go... So to, it's like, hey, Darren, what's up, man? Don't tell everybody I said hey to you. I mean, it's just like when coaches go to high schools in the spring evaluation period. They never talk with players, but they you know can say hi to them if they happen to run into them. Exchange pleasantries. Yeah, it's not I mean, that big Ryan's a deal. been covering some of these kids since they were fourteen years but, old. Well, what you know? What what do we what do we think? The sophomores in high school is that the right age? Did I get that wrong? <laughs> about, about fifteen, but okay. All right. I mean, there's some that I've. Covered if you're a particular beast yeah. stud and you're in state, maybe when you're when you're fourteen or so, you start yeah getting us talking to there you. There are some, but you know, and by us I mean Ryan. But if <laughs> if this stays the way it is for a while. How do we feel about this? Because again, this is something that we have to discuss, and we are not in any See, way, yeah. shape, or form complaining. We're just we're discussing this because it's different. And if you're wondering why we don't have as much info on who is particularly standing out in practice, or what these guys think of the staff, or what where different position groups are, there's there's a simple reason for that, guys. That's that we are not talking uh, on the record to any of them. So so this is this is what it is right now. Is this good, bad, indifferent? What what do we think? Well, first of all, I think a lot of a lot of fans out there don't care about the plight. So right. Oh the, no, it, the media. Yeah, so I we're agree. not we're not complaining. Yeah. No, not at all. But we get a lot of questions of like who's looking good or which of the you know which of the guys of the positions which is are doing the best. It's hard to get that information right now. Because we're not talking to any players, and and the guy that is talking isn't willing, you know, it isn't willing to to mention guys by name and single guys out. And and, and Pruitt talked about that after Tuesday's practice, and he said that you know if I talk good about him the next day, you know, the next practice they'll come out and struggle. He was honest <laughs> and, about and, it. Yeah, I mean, and and this is the flip side of what we saw with the last staff, where they would talk guys up incessantly and then not play them. Well, yeah, like, there was like always we, a reason that the, for everything that they said. You know, there's all you have to kind of decipher what it meant. Well, I mean, I just remember Steve Stripling saying that Kyle Phillips is the next Derek Barnett. 
you know, oh for one so far. Bailey Buchanan was drawing Cameron Sutton. You know, oh for two. <laughs> I've heard Buchanan's actually had a good offseason. Um, Jared but, Garantano's the next uh, Joe Montana. Nobody said know? that, Wes. <laughs> now you're just you now you're just making stuff up. But that's that's this is the complete again. What we've all learned this these last few months is that Jeremy Pruitt is the complete antithesis of Butch Jones, and his program is being conducted some sort of in that way. Yeah, it's funny. The other day I was um, on SiriusXM talking to Chris Childers and Chris Doring, and they said Sabinization, you know, and I had to think about it, and I was like, well, yeah, because there's two ways people are doing this right now as a program in the SEC. You're either copying what Saban's done or trying to emulate and go down that path, or you're going completely the opposite of that just so you can pick from a different pool of players and you can do things a little differently and still compete with them. That's all, basically the two ways people are going about this right now. Vanderbilt's a little different because it's always going to be different because it's Vanderbilt. But all the big boys are, are doing this. They're doing this one of two ways. And this has been, so far, a Sabinization. But even in Alabama, the players talk every week. So this has been a little bit different. And I don't know if this is just Pruitt's kind of hunker down. We're not going to mention anything for a while. You know, I'm going to be the only guy talking, you know, talking to the media is a right, you know, or a privilege, not a right. So y'all don't get that until I've said you can do it. I don't know what exactly the thinking is because this would be the time of year and in your program where it is so easy to just throw out a couple of, you know, those veteran players that we all know are never going to say anything because they've all been trained, the Abernathys and guys like that, and just bring them out there. And they can just say, hey, it's, you're, we're having a great time out there. We're adjusting. You know, there's a lot of good energy around. It's just like one good story after the other because it's still the honeymoon period. And they're choosing to sort of go a different route for that, which is surprising to me. Not complaining, saying it's just – it's simply – it's surprising to me. Yeah, and, and and you wonder what the – you know, what are they afraid of or what's the ultimate objective here? Are you trying to let – you know, just let the players settle in and not – you know, make sure you don't have anyone – that's not totally bought in that accidentally let something slip or anything like that. Are you trying to do that? Or are you trying to make sure no one says anything about anything you're doing? Are you just trying to keep your plans completely under wraps about, you know, installation and anything you might be working on in the practice field? There could be multiple reasons for it, but it is different. And, and like you said, you, you would seem to have nothing but positive press for the most part during, during this period, because yeah, you know, even if you're talking to a player who liked the former staff, you're you're not going to get anything negative about a new staff. Usually, everybody's ready for a fresh. Yeah, start. Yeah, nobody's that stupid. After, <laughs> well, after a season like that, you're ready for a fresh start. I mean, they went four and eight. Yeah, They're, it's not it's not like the previous staff went to the NFL because it was so great yeah. or something, and now you're bringing in a new guy and and you got to worry about a guy saying, "Oh, well, you know, we had to, we had a lot of fun. This is not maybe a little bit more business." You know, you, you don't you don't hear that because it's not going to happen because. You could really put like one of those, you could put a talking parrot out there right now and people would be excited about it because it's different. It's not the same voice. So uh, that's surprising to me. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that, that he has his reasons for doing that. Uh, it, but, it, on, and on top of that, oh, go ahead. Ron. I was just going to say, it is interesting though that, I mean, we literally haven't been able to ask the simple question, what do you think of Jeremy Pruitt being your head coach? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been three and a half months, almost four months now, and we haven't spoken to but, anyone. But he locks us that. in a dark room all day and beats us. No, no, it's just terrible. No, like, no, what no, are they no, going to no, say? No, <laughs> that's what Mike Leach did. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. he, puts us, he puts us in the concussion shed. Tennessee tried to hire him. No, uh, but 
Don't remind me. But, uh, <laughs> they could have had Paul Johnson, too. I don't know if y'all saw, but his agent was... Oh, yeah. Love the, Paul Johnson. Slide into John Curry's text messages. Yeah. Until the, until the whole free world did it when his number got out. <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't... I, again, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying we have to note that because it's different. And on top I of mean, that... It, it, yeah, I mean, like, we, we would love to know what, you know, what Tyler Bird and Carlin feels mean. You know, those guys have talked to the media before. You know, spring would be a good time to trot him out. Yeah, say, Carl's hey, not going to say anything dumb. How, how are you guys doing at defensive back? <laughs> I mean... Well, well, right now, he's not even willing to commit to those guys sticking at defensive back. Yeah. I mean, part of part of this is also... I, and that's what makes me think that it, maybe it's a little more motivated by the desire to just keep things under yeah. wraps, is that he's not wanting to mention specifics. And part of that's maybe being fair, giving guys time to really get a feel for them. But he's and, not, he, and he doesn't know who will react well to that and who won't. Yeah, and he's he's not he's not motivating anyone publicly, you know, by calling them out. He's not praising anyone for doing a good job so far. He's just he's going out of his way not to mention specific players. So I wonder if this just is just part of that just trying to just let everything play out kind of behind the scenes. Don't let anybody get a glimpse. It's like, of, it's like building a little mystery, you know, not yeah. not showing too much leg with your skirt, you know. I mean, just just keeping it cool. I, I can't relate to that, but um <laughs> Wes, you apparently can. You are a dancer. Uh, yeah, a, a prof- I'm, I'm borderline <laughs> professional now, actually. Semi-amateur. ETCH.com slash DWTKS. Give money to the cause uh, because it's great and I'm a professional dancer. My, my, my theory is that this is just a ball coach wanting to keep everything in-house. Yeah. That's, that's what my theory is. That's what my limited interactions with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, that That's what I've gleaned is that he is a ball coach and he's not he, – he's going to put his program first. And that's what all coaches do, but, he you know, he's taking it um, – I don't want to say a step further necessarily, but he wants his players focused on ball right now. Yep. Obviously, they have classes and, and things going on too, but I think he also wants his players focused on well, what now, they need to be focused on in his mind right now. Here's here's another, I mean, Which we, is obviously school first. We do say it would be mostly positive press. It is worth noting one of the things we probably would be discussing more if you could get to talk to players would probably be the limited number of players that are out there at some positions. And that, that ends up leading to some stories about just how depleted you are. It kind of gives the impression that this is not a good-looking team right now. So maybe there's some things that yeah, you Yeah, I mean, are, you look at the guys who are not practicing right now, the guys yeah. doing stuff on the side, which we can mention because we've it's been known that they weren't going to be out there for yeah. a while. And that's, you know, you look over there and you see, you know, Juwan Jennings, Trey Smith, you know, Todd so, Kelly. Darren and, Kirkland was out there Darren on Thursday. Kirkland, all those guys, they're all sitting there. And it's like, well, there's it's that, a reminder that, of what they don't yeah, have. That's a pretty good-looking team over there on the yeah. sideline you got there, you know? I so mean, that's, that's part of it. You also, I mean, we expected this with the assistant coaches, you know, just from where Pruitt has been in the past at Alabama, the, the assistants rarely talk, and they get one time a year, and then when they go to the college football playoff, basically is the only time their assistant coaches speak. Yeah, because it's mandated that they yeah. have to. And SEC championship game. SEC yeah. championship game also. So, yeah, we, we thought it might be that way with assistant coaches, but players, like you said, at Alabama, and that's the place you have to compare this to because that's where Jeremy Pruitt has been the longest. You know, he's, he started his college coaching career mm-hmm. there. He went back there as a defensive coordinator for the last two years. So that's what he knows best, and what happens there is players talk. And I think eventually that's how he probably will let things be handled. I think players will talk eventually at some point. I don't know when that will start, but for now he's obviously decided it's best to just keep things in-house. He's the voice of the program. And before anyone thinks he's being, you know, I don't want anyone to think he's being anti-media or not doing anything to reach out to us because just on Tuesday, he he stepped aside after yeah. after the cameras uh, after wrapping up his press conference sort uh, sort of that they hold after practices and said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to sit down here with the reporters that are here." And he spoke with 
spoke with us not off the record but off camera for about eight minutes uh, after off. Oh yeah, five. yeah, and, and I think we're all making it a point to say that yeah. we're not. Again, this is yeah. not a complaint. This is just stating, you know, part of the podcast is that, you know, we yeah. can we, we talk a little bit more inside baseball, talk behind the scenes stuff, well, and, and that's what's going on right now. And one of the questions that he was asked during that extra session we got with him is, okay, so why are you being this way with players? Are you are you going out of your way not to praise people? Are you just giving them time to, to assess them before you really comment on them? And he, you know, he, he kind of addressed that a little bit. It is, I, I, I think just motivated by not wanting it's a little bit of both of those you know wanting to keep some things quiet and also just wanting to give everybody a fair chance before you you know as he said you don't want to come out and praise someone or criticize or you know if you come out and praise someone the the next day you might go out and have a bad day and and then you wonder how he's going to react to that so uh, i i think he right for now he just decides it's best to not say too much you know it it could be even recruiting related. If you come out and say anything positive about Jarrett Garantano now, does Keller Christ coming in take that the wrong way? He's not signed anything binding yet, so you're you're still trying to keep a lot of people happy. You're trying to keep players here too. Um, you've got some players that I think very easily could see the writing on the wall this spring and want to go elsewhere if things aren't looking good for them this spring. In his situation, you might see guys that aren't great fits for your system, but you also don't want to lose every scholarship player you have that's not starting. So. Uh, you're in a tough spot where you are trying to keep the roster together. So maybe that's part of it too. There, there are a number of reasons you might want to keep the message as simple and straightforward as positive and not let anything else kind of get out there. So I, I can sort of understand it. Yeah. And credit to Tennessee. They're not doing that stuff where they still, where they talk to players in house and then release it and, yeah. and doing it that way. They're not, you know, which kind of always makes us, drives us a little crazy. You know, they're not, they're not doing that. They're, they're legitimately just being quiet about everything. And uh, on top of that, to, to build on that, this should not surprise anyone because if they're not, if we're not even talking to players, obviously they're not going to be giving us uh, anything about who's repping where, or who's doing what. Uh, but Pruitt did, uh, and again, I think every coach in football now just hates the phrase depth chart, and they never want to mention it again. Uh, in the ongoing battle with, with Butch, it was the organizational chart. Apparently, with Pruitt, it's the rep chart. So it almost rhymes with depth well, not, chart, but it's not a depth chart. It's a rep chart. But I don't think they have a depth chart now because they don't. They have a rep well, chart, Patrick. Well, so the, <laughs> I will say what he's saying. If you're if you're listening to the name of it, I think that would be different. I think he's talking about maybe like a list, essentially of the number. How of many guys reps, have gotten reps? Yeah, yeah of the reps a player has gotten. So it's se- a rep chart. Seventy five reps. So it's not even the same like yeah. ballpark as a depth chart. You're not well, listing the so players joke, by position. Your joke was dumb and not appreciated. No. <laughs> What he said was, we don't have any starters, second-teamers, third-teamers. Because he has no idea, because he doesn't know anything about this team yet. But they do have a rep chart. Because it's, it's on the list. It's on the outline. We're talk- Listen, guys, whether you like it or not, we're talking about this rep chart because I wrote it on a piece of paper. It rhymes with depth chart. I'll give you that. That's there, true. There All kinds that. of things. So, so they're not... Again, you know what they're doing. As soon as we leave, we're basically still seeing stretching in a couple of individual periods. You know, you can see a couple things like who's going out there first and some other things like that. But uh, Pruitt, again, with the with the defensive backs, the corners especially, because he and, he and Terry Fair are basically co-cornerbacks coaches, they're on the very far corner of the practice field now. So we don't – we hardly ever see them. And the running backs are in the other corner, so we don't spend a lot of time seeing them, uh, which there's – other than Chandler, there's not a ton to see maybe out there right now. So the although Pruitt did say, again, that when they give them time – the quarterbacks and the guys on the offense can make plays when they have time to make them. So it's just a matter of how consistently they can have time uh, to rep them. And, and one thing I do want to mention, 
when we're talking about that offensive line really quickly, since we're not getting much feedback on, on anything, what I can tell you for certain is that Marcus Tatum has gotten bigger. Uh, for sure, that kid looks – he's almost starting to look like an SEC lineman now, and that's good. And uh, what, what I've noticed through five practices is that they're not changing guys around a lot. And Ryan and I talked about this on our Facebook Live the other day. Is it uh, – Well, whoopity do. Drew Richmond, you weren't there. You missed out. Whoopity do. It was good stuff, Wes. That sounds like jealousy right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Richmond was Did you have a yellow piece of paper that you were writing information on beforehand? It. Don't need it. Uh, okay. You're just not organized. Can you let me get to my point, please? Yeah, go ahead. We're mentally organized. Drew, uh, Drew Richmond was working at left tackle in uh, on in Tennessee's first practice. Guess where he was working on Thursday? Left tackle. Nobody has changed position yet. Novel concept. Even Devontae Brooks has stayed pretty good. At left guard, left yeah. Left guard in uh, a position he's never really played before. We should mention Karon Calvert is uh, back. He's doing some stuff this week. He was going to be limited. Yeah, um, he's definitely limited. But, uh, yeah, he's... He's not doing every rep necessarily. It's but, a good sign, though. But he is out there getting some work in. He's working at left guard as well, which mm-hmm. I don't. You know, Ryan will have to tell. Still uh, a large man. Yeah, Ryan will have to break down his um, his uh, his I guess future. I think you're the recruiting guy, so I think probably fits best at guard long term. It seems like a lot of guys come in and and work at guard first. Jerome Carvin is not though. He's working at right yeah. tackle. Yeah, it's it it's. It's based on athleticism. It's based on what's easiest to learn. Depends on where a player is in his development. Calvert, it was unfortunate he had to redshirt last year because he's a developmental guy anyway. He was always projected as someone that needed a couple years probably of seasoning. Had a lot to learn coming out of high school. Was so raw. Um, just had a lot of upside. And guard might be his his best position and his quickest path. You could say the same for Jerome Carvin, but you know somebody's got to play tackle on this team to give them extra depth there and another option. So I think they chose, chose Carvin. And like you said, they've kind of kept him there uh keeps them from kind of swimming as a lot of coaches would say to to not not have to from move, a fire hose yeah to not have to move around and and just be able to focus on one position adjust to the movements there the the routine uh, i i think that does help freshmen especially kind of kind of settle in and, and not be overwhelmed and he's he's a redshirt freshman calvert is and you almost have to treat him as a freshman yeah. at this point because he did very he lasted maybe not even two weeks at yeah the end of, and he's been on campus for less than a year still yeah. so, I mean, so the guys in his situation they're basically fre- true freshmen. and i think if you're trying to search for positive with his offensive line i think that is one is that you've got some guys that still have uh some tread to get on their tires in terms of development i mean you look yeah. at their, I think their most experienced guy, I guess, it would be Drew Richmond. Yeah, he started 13 games. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, and if you're not counting Chance Hall, who's still not out there, and we'll see what happens with him. I'm not counting him, but um, and I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I'm that's not, your. Hey, I'm that's, not saying you're wrong, no, Patrick. Just, that's your decision. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Ryan incited this with his look that he gave you. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, you, you, you mean Ryan Johnson started at the end of last year. Yep. Uh, Devontae Brooks was the guy that started at the end of last year. Riley, Lock- Riley Locklear is a second-year guy. Tatum has, what, four starts in his career. Yeah. So you've got you've got some guys there that still have plenty of development to do, and you've got a guy that can develop guys in Will Friend. And he's he was riding Ollie Lane really hard on, yeah. on Thursday. He yeah, was. He was. Um, they were doing, I think, split line reps, and, and so three guys were going at once, and he was standing right behind Lane and just, like, hawk-eyed in on him. And it's he like was it was not, his day. He, he, it's been his day a couple of times. I think yeah. Lane is really, he's he's getting he's getting baptized by fire, and they they that's practices. kind of a sign that they need him. Though, yeah, probably. they need all these guys. That's the reality. They're yeah, in they're absolutely. in a position where I mean they're they're going to have what when they have everybody. If they don't have an, add anyone else, they might have about twelve scholarship offensive linemen on this team. Um, that means giving giving room for a couple of injuries there. You you've got enough for a two deep, and that's about it. So there's a chance you could need any of those reserves at some point, and that's a 
it's a tough spot to be in, but that's that's where they are. Yeah, and um, and and also Riley Lockleader is now wearing a neck roll, so he looks a little more physically imposing. And mm-hmm. I I think I don't know if that's a, I'm a fan in, of the neck roll. Yeah, I don't know if that's an injury thing or just a cosmetic thing, but either way, kid, keep it. It's you look, look tougher with it on. Yep. I bet when he played the old NCAA video games and he made himself, he he gave himself a neck roll. Every mm-hmm. player looked much more <laughs> yes. like a BA when you put him in the when you put the neck roll on him. There's no there's no doubt about it. There was a one that would be under your jersey, and then there'd be like the, the cowboy the black, collar. Yeah, the black cowboy collar. Good times. Good times. Did we just agree? We did agree. How about that? Wow. We need to have a ding button for that. Uh, so, so at this point, I guess from left to right there, if we were if Tennessee was playing a game on Saturday, their starting line would be Drew Richmond, Brooks, Ryan Johnson at center. I thought he would be a guard. Uh, Riley Locklear at right guard, and then Marcus Tatum at right tackle. Where does Trey Smith slot in there? I think guard. Probably guard with uh, that group. Yeah. I think they're wanting to keep him there. Jameer Johnson will add to the depth at tackle. right tackle, so that, that gives you the other option there. You need Richmond to be the guy at left tackle. If he's not, that's where you look into you know Trey Smith or someone having and to move it, out there. And his backup, well, he's not his backup, but Nathan Niehaus is working at left tackle yeah. as well. So so you've got a couple options there. But, yeah, you need, you need Drew Richmond and Marcus Tatum to be able to anchor this offensive line. You need those young guys in the middle to be the question mark about this group because if you've got questions at tackle with those guys being the most experienced that's where you're in trouble yeah, it's time for drew richmond to to meet the hype it's time mm-hmm. it's time for him to be the player he they that so many people thought he could be coming out of high school Pruitt has talked <clears throat> a lot back in february about needing to get a needing to get bigger as a football team he's got two two freshmen two early enrollees that are big dudes in carvin yes and greg emerson is just i don't know what he is uh, he looks, yeah. He, he looks. He looks like a, a Bama freshman. He, like he's a big boy. Six. I think. What do they say? Six three, three oh five, three oh five or so. Yeah. That looks like they're shortchanged him a little bit. Um, and both height and weight. Like yes. he is a big, big. Or, or that's this, just what a legit six three, three oh five looks like. And this is why we kind of looked at Greg Emerson when we saw him about a year ago, and and when he was at a camp in Atlanta, with the Nike, the opening regional where he worked out down there, and he weighed in at two ninety seven, and he was insisting to everyone he was going to play defensive end in college. <laughs> that's where we raised an eyebrow a little bit and said. Kid, I think once Maybe you get three, into, four D end. I think when you get yeah. into a college weight room, you're going to have trouble staying at defensive end. Maybe even in a three four yeah. system. We'll see how big he gets. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's a guy that's going to play inside a lot. And and if he's playing defensive end, it'll be in three man fronts. It seems like he's been he hasn't missed many reps that we've yeah. seen. Uh, which I think I think some of the, I think some of the staff was concerned going into spring about how much he'd be able to do coming off what was a pretty significant injury. Mm-hmm. He's almost nine months removed from the yeah, injury. In so July. He's, yeah, it's good timing. He, he made good progress, good enough that he was honestly trying to get back out there at the end of his high school season. It was crazy. Really? He was trying to get out for a few plays in his final game. He, was, he, he claimed he was actually, you won't believe this, a quarterback at one point early in high school. And he was trying to he was trying to help on the practice field by taking snaps. And then he ate another player or two, yeah. and then they were like, "Well, you got to be on the O line now he, or D line now because you're huge." He was trying to see. He knew he couldn't play on the defensive line in his condition, but he was trying to see if he could get in and take some snaps and and hand it off some, if nothing else. And I'm like, "You'd be the biggest quarterback I've seen easily since Jared Lorenzen." Yeah, that would be hefty, lefty. You know who else uh, physically, by the way, who he's moving around pretty well, but just physically looks a lot better. Um, is shy Tuttle body wise? Mm-hmm. He's done some transformation. He's starting to kind of get Drop down a little a, bit. He's starting to get a little more definition, a little leaner, a little little. Doesn't bit. he's he start? I, I don't know how he's playing because again, we're we're not here much on that. But but just the way he looks, he looks better. I don't think he's wearing any sort of leg brace or anything like that. Yeah, and I think that has to be a positive. Real real quick, real quick on Emerson, the fact that he is uh, doing so much now, I think that has to be a positive for his how much he could help this team down yes. the road this season. 
This this team, let's not forget, there are a lot of veteran defensive linemen on this team, but there are not many proven defensive linemen that look like they're great fits for this system. I think there's still big question big marks. Big guys, yes. Yeah, big question marks about yeah, like Jonathan. Crosby's a big old kid. Yeah. Like Jonathan Combo and Kyle Phillips. You know, oh, yeah, are, no are they are they gonna they're be sort of tweeners? Are they gonna bit. be surefire starters in this defense? Are they gonna find a way to use them part time? Will they even be able to count them for that? You know, Kongbo's going first through every rep. He's trying yeah. to be more vocal out there. He he looks like he's a guy who at least is starting to maybe that light at the end of the tunnel or something. He's kind of seeing that it's getting closer and, and he, he's got to get it done. And I think he, he's a guy who's kind of starting to at least act like he's a guy who knows that it's time to put up or shut up. So, and combo can be a great prototype three, four defensive end. I think his body is, is suited for that, but will he embrace that fully? And, and if not guys like Matthew Butler and, Greg Emerson, you know, potentially even as a true freshman. I, I I wouldn't necessarily expect to count on him that much, but you could see body types like that get more of an opportunity if you can't count on a Kongbo or Phillips because they just don't have many other options there that are proven. Yeah, I think the staff might have to get, I don't want to say creative, but they're going to have to be selective in how they use some guys, mm-hmm. um, especially the guys that don't really fit, that aren't, you know, perfect, ideal, this, that, or the other for what they want to do. And they're going to be multiple, as, as Pruitt has said. They're going to have different uh formations and different lineups for different things i mean you watch alabama's defense last year sometimes they would have two guys down and two guys standing up as a four-man front mm-hmm. um he yeah. said he, he wants those outside linebackers to a question that wes asked and he he said that that we make too much of the four three dns going to three four outside linebackers well i mean um, and my response to that would be that thank you for the answer but also then why does it matter what defense you're playing in? Because it does make a, a difference, you know? I mean, well, usually, it's a different – it is but, a different but, scheme. I mean, you it's may a, see a guy like Daryl Taylor play – he might be an outside linebacker, quote-unquote, but he's if, they're, if they're in a nickel, he's rushing off the edge. Well, you're just playing a different gap, essentially, yeah. is the only difference. Basically. So that's the main difference. You're getting a you're, you're getting to stand up instead of putting your hand on the ground, and you're playing a further outside gap. But the edge guys, there's no doubt their first job, their biggest responsibility – is to go hit the quarterback. That's yeah. there. There are pass rushers and set the edge. That hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which has been a monumental challenge for Tennessee at times in the past decade. And, and, and I thought Jeremy Pruitt West gave you quite a compliment the other day when he said, "I could teach you to go out and go oh, first to the flat. Go first to the he, flat." You know what happened is I think he's probably seen some of the leaked dancing footage. Yeah, actually, he and I did talk about uh, dancing uh, the other day, and he was like, "You got any rhythm?" No. Yeah, well, me neither. When did that happen? Um, after the. Are you having contraband? Are you having contraband conversations with? Well, head you coach? can't break the rule if it's the head coach. He's the one setting the rules, right? Okay. But anyways, the breaking news. Yeah, little, he, I think he was bragging there. Right? I think breaking he was. news. He doesn't have much rhythm either, apparently. So oh, okay. So, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's it, it it is different. But I think Pruitt's point was probably true, which is that we make a lot of it because it looks so much different. Mm-hmm. But everyone spends so much time in the nickel now, anyways. Yeah. It's, it's not really. Yeah, I think the, that prob- different. the problem is I think people think outside linebacker, they think you're going to have to go in coverage quite a bit. And that's that's no, kind of more of a stand-up defense. Yeah. In a, in a, defen- in a th- defense like that, that's a change-up. You know, when, when a linebacker drops back into coverage like that, one of those outside backers. The inside backers are the ones who are doing most of that. It's the outside back. You know, 90% of the time you're rushing the quarterback on the edge, maybe more than that. Yeah, it, it, it's a very versatile defense, but – We've said this before, Pruitt's natural tendency is to want to bring the heat, and if they're going to do that, they're going to have to be good on the back end. Um, and 
that remains a, a question. I'll stand on the table for Micah Abernathy still. I'll say I don't think he's a bad football player. I think he's a decent player who had a bad, bad season for different reasons. Uh, you got Warrior back there, so obviously that one of the better, most talented safeties maybe in all college football at that spot. I and, do think and we all know the corner, but but we do need to mention this too. Speaking of, because we've mentioned him a couple times now, feels to me, Pruitt did say there's nothing different about the sort of audition period for these guys who are playing new positions. Oh, what are there a handful of them or so that are playing in new spots, and he said he's going to give them still about seven practices before he wants to see where they are. Uh, so the, going into the first scrimmage, are they going to just go back where they were, or are they going to stay at this new spot? So, uh, And we've mentioned all the guys who are in that, you know, Princeton Vant with a little bit of running back, feels to me at, at corner, Tyler Bird at, at safety, um, you know, uh, Jaquane Blakely there at um, – uh, at uh, outside tight end. Oh no, tight end. That's right. I, it's weird to see him running around with the tight ends. It's it's a different different feel for sure. But there are some things that are different, and you know because of that, the meetings that they're having to do on a daily basis. You know, we joke about the whole Butch Jones sipping through a fire hose thing. It, that really is kind of what it's like when you're learning a new defense and this defense is known as being a complex one everyone knows that it is it's the closest thing kind of to an NFL defense that you'll see at the college level with the adjustments they make and all the tweaks and you know the 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 kind of the check with me stuff and the 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 looking you know with just all the snap and all the reads you have to make and Pruitt admitted that that's been different for these guys because they're all learning it and they're all in the meetings trying to figure it out and these meetings are longer there's more asked of the players in here in these meetings. Uh, and Pruitt was careful not to throw Jones under a bus. He, he didn't try to. He doesn't have to because we got Wes around to do that. Why is it always <laughs> they say Wes? Like, I'm the only person who said, hey, they got a problem there at the head coaching position. <laughs> like, I'm the only one who ever said that. Remember when we were. I'm Debbie, just over here pushing buttons. That's all I'm doing. Remember when we were, we were in Atlanta. <laughs> Is where I remember getting, so getting most of this. And and at the Atlanta preseason event last year, CPA Vol or any of our guys that were down there are listening, they'll remember this. And we were predicting eight and four, and they all thought we were Debbie Downers for, yeah. for looking at that team that way. And if you had been honest that day, Wes, you probably would have said, you know what? I think with this head coach, they could go six and six. <laughs> <laughs> they could. I mean, they did when, worse than that. When you out. got a guy who's making some of the decisions that he's making, but like I'm the I mean, you know, I was the first one to maybe to come out and say, They've actually got a real problem here, but it, it's not like I was the only one. Patrick, Hashtag West knew. You instigator. He did know. No, everybody else knew. They just didn't want to say it. There's probably some truth. You know, I play dirty. I'm just saying. You had you had one point early earlier that I wanted to touch on. Micah Abernathy. A good point or a bad point. Micah Abernathy. Uh-oh. I do I do Uh-oh. think he's going to have watch some, out Ryan. I do think he's going to have some competition there. He's no question. He's about to come. Com- he's about to come across the table at you. Serious competition. I think Tyler Bird is actually a serious contender there, and I wouldn't be surprised if Malik Gray came into the picture here. With this this staff liked him a lot coming out of high school. We don't know how well he's looked, how good he's looked so far, but if he has a good spring. I could see him being more of a factor. Um, oh, there's no question. The reason I keep talking about Abernathy, though, is because I think when you're trying to learn this defense and how many complex things you have to do, I think a guy who's played a lot of football and a guy who's a really sharp kid like Abernathy, who a football doesn't work out for him, there's a million other things he could go do. He's a smart kid from a, from a good family. But I, I, I don't I, – I, it just to me seems like it's one of those deals where, where they ultimately will mix in other guys. But just – 
to go into the season, I just think we're going to see 22 and 18 back there if they're healthy. I, I I might be completely off base there, but you know, it's just like guys like that are security blankets. Like, you know, you assume that he's not going to play like he did last season. The year before that, he was pretty good. And before he started getting hurt he last season, he wasn't bad. So I, I think they'll just kind of, when they go into the season, like, okay, let's put some older guys out there at first, you know, just to make sure things get lined up. On the other hand, I mean, just devil's advocate here, he was the guy that kind of got got himself out of in, in an awkward position in the Florida game and allowed the receiver to get behind him. No when question. He, when he had no the, deep, question. the deep part of the field. So, oh, he had a terrible season, yeah. just all around. Just a so, he, he had two good games, but a terrible season. He, was, he was sub-50 in the pro football focus grades. Yeah. And went year. from like the 70s and 80s the year before, yeah. which is just a stunning so, death. So I like Mike Abernathy and know he, he brings a lot to the table, but also Bob Shoup was his biggest proponent in the program. Yeah. And obviously, president of the fan club, so-called. Yeah. It's a different staff now on top of that but you just you don't know how this staff is going to handle situations like that and, and when and kelly comes back too i mean what do you what do you do there yeah. i mean that guy's played a that's ton true. of football and that's a guy who could give you the same a lot of the same things abernathy could they're both maybe a step slow for what this staff would like at the safety position correct ideally um so you don't know if they're going to side with athleticism and youth over over that security blanket back there it'll be interesting that, that'll be a I think a position battle that's probably underplayed, if, if I had to guess, from what people have... I, I think there's a lot of positions that are like that, though, yeah. where you have veteran players coming back. We talked about Kongbo. We talked mm-hmm. about Kyle Phillips. Phillips if, looks good physically, too, by the way. Even linebacker could be interesting. Phillips has gotten bigger. Darren, definitely guys has. like Darren Kirkland and Daniel Batuli, and then you throw in J.J. Peterson. I mean, what happens there? Yeah, I mean, I think this I mean, this program, I don't want to say it's starting from ground zero because then everyone's thinking, oh, it's year, year zero. zero. Yeah, it's, Year it's, zero. It's not that. This staff wants to win now. Dually drinking game. Take a shot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but this staff, I mean, they're starting from scratch with this roster. I mean, everything is up for grabs. There's no set, you know, we have, there's a pecking order and guys go through drills in certain orders, but, and they've got their ones and their twos and whatnot, but I don't, I just don't think that, I don't think that anything that happened last year matters at this point. And, and I for, mean, it's, it's your, if you're a player right now in this program, what you did before December 7th, how much does it really matter? It, you, it doesn't, it, especially now that they can get film on you in the spring. It yeah, and, and, because, and Pruitt said a few times now where he, you know, he, I don't know what guys were doing last year. I don't know what they were asked to do in that scheme. <laughs> it was so bad on film, I couldn't tell you what they were actually trying to do. <laughs> see, he did it. He, <laughs> he, didn't, it he, he didn't say it that, but I think that's no, what he meant. See, I, I didn't take that to me. I what didn't he take means. it as, but you, Wes did. Because that's true. When you're watching film of a player and, and he goes to, to a certain spot, you don't know if he's going there because the play called for him to exactly. do that or because he misread it. And that doesn't mean it's a bad and, system. And, and these are two systems that are very different. I yeah. Mean, you you take what, what Tennessee was doing defensively and what Alabama was doing defensively. Not only were, were the results entirely different, yeah. um, but just the schemes. I mean, yeah, that they were they were different. I mean, you look at the corners. They're going to play press. They're going to play in your face uh, on the perimeter. And, and I don't remember how many times last year where Tennessee's corners were given 10, 8, 10 yards of cushion. And to me with this team, you know, I, I know everybody's – That's just one change. I know everybody's kind of interested in the position battles and stuff in spring practice and wants to look ahead. But that's why I think this spring is all about these players who are here getting a head start, a leg up on the guys coming in and showing that they can they can count on these guys because every position could look a lot different in, in preseason camp. Yeah, because I mean, you got cornerback, you're bringing yeah. in a junior college guy that you just got, uh, Kenneth George. At linebacker, you got J.J. Peterson on the way. Defensive line, there's some guys on the way in. Offensive line, there's a couple guys, including Jameer Johnson, a JUCO guy. If you're Marcus Tatum, you can't be resting on your laurels because you've got competition on the way. Or Drew Richmond. Yeah, Trey Smith is coming potentially coming back at some point. you gotta, you got to get a head start on him. 
Um, uh, running back, Madre London is on the way. If you're a guy like Trey Coleman, your chances now to, to make an impression. Be cool if he had a twin brother named Padre London. <laughs> I'll have to ask about that. I, I don't think he does, but that's... No, he probably doesn't. Point. I'm just throwing that out um, there. I'm going to Google that right now. Uh, at, at, at tight end, you know, you've got to get a head start because Dominic Wood Anderson's coming in and he looks like... He's probably the number one guy as soon as he steps yeah, on Yeah, I was going to say, he looks like he's going to be the prototypical guy they want for this system, and they don't have anyone quite like him besides maybe Latrell Bumpus. So you've got to really make an impression this spring. So every, every position group has to have some urgency this spring and show that they're capable of contributing and, and can make the staff trust them because they might, even if they're in position to be the starter, you know, Jared Garantano included, you might be in position to be the starter coming out of the spring, and then it's starting all over in preseason camp because you've got more competition uh, on the way and with this staff the way they've approached it it's going to be that way it's going to be a wide open battle at a lot of spots in august yeah and i think that there's a lot of intrigue because the and this is what will happen the closer it gets to the season the more people will start getting optimistic just because that's human nature that's yeah. what they'll do you'll say hey you know if everything falls into place here this team could sneak up on some people and okay yeah you know what though? maybe it could i sense some hesitance with this fan base right now though i think there's after the last one especially do you not think though there will be going some into of that. the summer and yeah. everything i mean so you know you'll you'll see all these guys co- coming back healthy and then guys like jj peterson will show up on campus yeah. and they'll be like oh let's go now they're ready let's go recruiting will get going more people will get more excited about the staff yeah, that'll happen. I'm just saying, I right now for sure, and we'll see if it holds, but I think there's, after the, the way things went with Butch Jones last time, where people bought in fully, even though he was the fifth guy on their list or whatever. They people, were ten toes in. Yeah, and now this time, I'm, I'm sensing there's a, a lot of longtime fans who are saying, you know what, this is three coaches in a row that for one reason or another haven't worked out. I'm going to take more of a wait-and-see approach with this one. I'm not fully in on this team and i'm not convinced they can do much this year well because i mean things were never going to come into place as well as they did when butch jones was the head coach because the east was there for the taking you know excuse me uh the east was right there you know tennessee had the best roster in the east twice under him and didn't win it and right now you look at what georgia's doing and it's like and that's a lot of work to do and the rest of the division's gotten better too i mean south carolina's taking really good steps Dan With Mullen could, could turn around Florida yeah. fairly quickly you would expect, if he does things right. You would expect him to continue to recruit better than than his predecessor did. Missouri is going to be tough this year with Drew Locke coming back. I know they got Derek Dooley running the show. And Derek Dooley calling the plays. <laughs> but, I mean, Kentucky's at a, at a point where they're, you know, six, seven wins every year. And, and Vanderbilt's been a team that, you know, at this story of their program, they don't, they don't, they're not fearing Tennessee right now because they've won three out of the past five. Yeah. So that's what you're going up against. Did I, get, did I name everybody in the league, in the division? South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, Vandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got everybody. And then, I mean, you look at the rest. Well, we don't we don't get too much in the schedule. Auburn will be tough. West Virginia will be tough. But I mean, I just think it, the people around here, and it's it's like it's like anywhere else, you know. People in spring, you you got your you know your mindset on okay, this is a really long rebuilding process, and you know. But then, like you start seeing pictures in the summer, and a couple hype videos come out, and you see some players looking good in the those, weight room. Those and you, newcomers coming it, in, and you start just going, "Man, I'm telling you, this, they could sneak up on some people. Keller, they could they could they could be dangerous." Keller Chris throwing to Dominic Wood Anderson. Yeah, I can see here it. it comes right now. You know, I, 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 mean, I feel like the staff has embraced Pruitt though. I feel like they yeah. have. Really taken on to the fact that he's like the end again, the antithesis uh, fan, of Butch Jones. Fans, yes. you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Seems like they have, you know, we see it a lot on our board. Thank goodness we got a football coach now. Mm-hmm. You know, he I, talks a little bit like they do. It can't get, it can't be worse. Yeah. I think, I think people are embracing that for sure. And I think the more they hear from him and, and 
he he's still not fully comfortable. He he admitted that at the Nashville uh, post signing day. Uh, I mean, this is a hell of a big spotlight yeah, job. You it's know, a big it's spotlight, huge one of the biggest fan bases in college football. I mean, it's it, it's there's pressure and, he, and, and it's a big deal. And he's getting used to that that pedestal that comes with this job. But at the same time, I I think the more people hear from him, the more they're going to like him. He is a he is an approachable sounding guy, and he is just a football coach. I mean, he he's not. I'm not sure he'll ever be this flashy guy that goes out and sells the program like a Bruce Pearl or something. He's he's not. That's not the way he's built. He's I think a, his hype men will be his assistants in yeah. some ways to do that kind of stuff. I don't mm-hmm. think that's his. He's not a flashy type of guy. Yeah. So so that's just not who he is. But I think fans will like him. And yeah, in some ways, I'm it's guessing. I'm guessing his wedding ring is the only piece of jewelry that guy has ever worn. Not, no championship rings. To recruiting. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Probably he wears them for recruiting trips and then probably puts them back in the probably you know, true back in the locks them up at the house yeah. after that. We'll have to ask him that sometime, but um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be um, something this fan base embraces just because it is the antithesis of Butch Jones. Is there anything before we get out of here? What what have because it's not like we've learned nothing. We've learned actually a pretty decent amount by watching these guys go through things. Some of the the coaches, some of the assistants, with the the way they go about their business, they're very direct with these guys, and they weren't kidding when they said that when they don't like something, they are going to know about it uh when you make a mistake they pounce all over i mean it, it looked like it, it was i think it was uh was it allen who was who was just getting rumpf was just reading him the the riot act after he he, he took a step wrong in some of those drills and I, I got i really wish i could put this picture on the website but someone stepped a little bit in front of rumpf when i took the picture but rumpf was just like it looked like i'm gonna murder you right now like he, he was getting after him. it was a good old school football coach in your face spittle you know hopefully you got the visor on the helmet so you're not getting spit in your eyes like he was getting yelled at yeah um i think it was alan and he said those guys do up downs and push-ups yep. during drills if they don't do it right he has them do it over they don't like it um I don't know if it's – I might get in trouble for sharing this, but Tennessee and its put in its pre-practice letting us know what time everything was reminded us not to put any videos of coaches cussing. Yeah. Because that not to get any Not to get any because, coaches cussing. Be, because, you know, people – This isn't intramurals, brother. Pe- people just don't <laughs> expect – these SEC football coaches to ever use a bad word when they're talking to their players. And Are you kidding me? How naive have we become? It's football practice. Damn, You're going to hear a lot again. of words. I got him triggered again. It's, it's football it's easy, practice. It's go anyways. Go to a single football practice and see if you can go 15 seconds without hearing a cuss word. You can't. Hey, Nick Saban doesn't have to cuss. A- anyways, my point being that you know when when y'all are putting practice videos together. You have to worry about cussing a lot more than you used to. Oh yeah. Uh, so, but the dually ones were really, really and, and the most creative cusser I have yeah. ever been around. Well, I'll second that. That's the most interesting thing, though, is we're only seeing individual periods. I can only imagine how much more intense things get when they get into these more physical team drills and things like that. You know, how much more might be said because they're teaching them basics. They're going through fundamental drills, and we're and we're still hearing that kind of talk. So. Does the intensity get to another level after we leave? And we're talking like very bare bones fundamental. Like if guys are not high pointing the ball when they're catching it, if they're not catching the ball kind of above their head and using their hands, if you're catching a ball with your body right now, David Johnson is going to basically verbally assault you. You have better you better go catch the ball away from your body, you know, and, and go high point it. And in in drills like that, when they're taking one step wrong, these guys are all over it. And I, I don't think that's I, I I think that's good. When you go 0 and 8 in conference play, that's 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 what you need to do. 
you need to get back to basics, and, and no one likes to hear it because it's cliche, but that's what you need to do. So what have we learned? I, I, I'll have to say that I, I think Jared Garantano's had a pretty good spring from what I've watched. I yeah. think he's been sharp. I think he looks like the guy. He's the clear front runner right now. Yeah, and, and I think he's he, he's bigger. He doesn't look like a skinny freshman anymore, and he's showing command. Uh, it seems like he is, and he's always flashed and, and looked pretty good throwing the ball on air. That's that's you know yeah got a got a heck of an arm. Um, but he's it's just like he's been on point in, in just about all the routes on air that I've watched. Carrying and, himself like the guy too. Yeah, and that's that's what he's been doing for months now, and uh, I just think he's he's looked really sharp and just the limited stuff that we've seen, and uh, I think he knows that. Hey, they they brought in somebody to take your job, and I think he's I think he's responding well. Yeah, I think a couple guys that I've noticed are definitely on defense that are flying around and, and look look like pretty good athletes right now. I think Ignat's done a done a nice job in the offseason physically. I think Will Ignat looks good, and Allen's a guy who I think is going to help Tennessee immediately. I think he's a guy who. I don't know if he's just like a third down or, or maybe a loose down player. You get him in there and let him rush. Uh, but but I, I like that kid. I think he, he moves around well, and I, I think he could do some things as more of a maybe kind of a novelty specialty player, but a guy who can go get the quarterback. I, I think um, I think they've got at least some interesting options in the secondary. I would love to know what they actually think of some of these guys, but Carlin Phil's Schamberger needs to step up. He needs he to does. be more. He, they, they need more from him right now, I think. I, I think Carlin Phil's and me looks capable of helping there. I mm-hmm. think that's, that's maybe the – the Tough kid. Surprise. Yeah. And we had kind of heard rumblings of that, but he just in basic position drills, he looks the part more than I would have thought if you had told yeah. me two months ago he was moving to corner. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he look he makes yeah. it look like he kind of does know what he's doing just because he's athletic enough to be like, okay, man-to-man coverage, just don't let him burn you. Mm-hmm. And you can go, okay, I, I, I'm a good athlete, and I'm tough, and I'm fast, and I can do that. So, yep. you know, that that's a good thing. And, and I think at receiver, those there's some guys there that look more interesting. That group looks better than you would think based on the production they have coming back. Without Jawan Jennings, there are at least some guys who look smooth. Who you looks know. big and good, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we're, we're not, we're not seeing them good. go against other corners, but I think at least between Jacquez Jones, Latrell Williams, Marquez Callaway, Brandon Johnson, all those guys, Josh Palmer, they can find some playmakers in that group. Not stars necessarily, but they'll find enough to make some plays. I, I, think, I think Callaway and Johnson will be reliable guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think Latrell Williams has looked pretty good, but yeah. he's looked good before. It's one of so my I'm, guys. It's I'm one of my guys. To stay healthy. It's one of my little, guys. I'm a little hesitant to jump jump in on that sure. one, but I think Alante. Oh, I've Taylor, been on the, I've been on the, I've been there for three years. I'm I'm still on the. I'm, I'm still pro Latrell Williams. Just give him a chance. Jacquez Jones is in that same boat. I think he looks pretty good at times. We know Wes. We know you love Latrell. Alante <laughs> uh, Taylor's a guy that I he's think fast. Fast guys are good. It looks like he could come in, and a lot of people have wondered how he's going to transition to wide receiver. He didn't really. I mean, Ryan, you can say, correct me if I'm wrong. How much did he play in high school? I think he was not, a quarterback, right? Not a lot. They tried to play him at receiver some, but their quarterback was never good enough to, to help them much. <laughs> they don't Just snap, a, snapping the ball makes something happen. He had, the, he had the unfortunate dilemma of being the best player on his team by a pretty wide margin. They don't so. have a lot of big armed guys down in Coffee County. Yeah, no. not, not sorry not, to not, my Manchester listeners. Not, not guys not, who not could tremendous get amount of athletes. Yeah, down there. Not guys who could get it to him very often. And Bonnaroo though. Yeah, and I think Taylor, I think he's battling something. He looks like he's got like a wrap on his leg or around his knee or something and looks like he's gutting it out and, and trying to make the most of the reps he's getting. And I think he's he's looking like somebody that could that could be that could help him, too. So, yeah, when, when you look at that group, that looks I think the wide receiver and linebacker, probably the two position groups that I think you feel the best about Tennessee having some depth and having some options. And plus, the wide receivers have a yak coaching them. So that they helps. Do. So, yeah, so well, you, you know, you, you never have a, you never have. You know, position group talk though under Pruitt. We're not. We're not. Remember, everybody's doing good and everybody's doing bad. 
But I think other, the other positions you feel you're worried about the depth a little bit more. Those two, I think they they can find some guys there between those two spots. Those are the ones you probably feel best about right now. Seems like a good place to leave it. We'll be back next week, guys. We'll hopefully have some player interviews and things to discuss. We'll see. Fingers crossed. But regardless, we will have more information for you. We'll still mix in some some basketball podcasts here and there when we get news. Certainly, we'll follow up on all the Schofield stuff. Also do some baseball stuff if they keep winning some games. So we'll see how they do in, in Columbia. And before I get out of here, remember, etch.com slash DWTKS. I'm humiliating myself for charity, Come and watch. I need y'all to buy tickets or at least donate a few bucks. Come on. It's not for me. It's for the kids. Donate to my competitors. I don't care. Just it's Children's Hospital. Come on. That, that, that's something everybody can get behind. Pat, you got any final thoughts? Nope. <laughs>